1 Samuel, let's start over there, 1 Samuel 25. I'm going to do lesson 5 on what uh, Brother, Ke- uh, Brother Nelligan has started and Brother O'Mara. Pray for the O'Maras, they're, they're going to be taken off here early this week to go to PNG to visit the Dyes, Brother Justin and Kaylee and the girls. And so pray for them as they'll be there for a, for a while. We'll miss them. Uh, send them a note or two while they're gone. Let them know you're praying for them. If you want to give them something before they leave, they won't mind that too. And uh, let them know we care, okay, as they're gone. And uh, pray for them. And also, First Samuel 25, we'll stay there the whole time. But I'm not going to read you the entire chapter today. If you want to later, though, you can. There's 44 verses on 1 Samuel 25. We come to the lesson now. It talks about dare to listen to wise counsel. All right? It would be good for every Christian to have counselors. I don't know if you remember the study we did on friends. And one of the thoughts we had was as a person, you should have a counselor as a friend. Somebody that would counsel you. From the word of God. Somebody that knows the truth from the word of God. And you are readily to go to them and ask them for advice. And they will give you an advice. And here's a story of Nabal and his wife Abigail. And an encounter they had with David. And it could have turned out really bad. But there was the phrase you'll find in this chapter is. That David listened to Abigail's advice. The word advice you'll find in the chapter. Okay, so let's look at 1 Samuel, chapter number 25, verses 1 to 3. We'll start there, but I'm going to give you introduction, a couple of verses, talking about we should be listening to wise counsel. By the way, if you don't know who I am, I'm Chris Barron, Pastor Chris Barron, Associate Pastor of Faith Bible Baptist Church. Proverbs 13 and 20, you don't have to turn there. It's in your notes, I believe. If it's not, it's ahead of your notes there. Uh, Proverbs 13 and verse 20, an introduction. Uh, The Bible has much to say about seeking and receiving counsel. All right? It's something that the Bible teaches. Because as a human being, we don't have it all figured out. As a human being, we don't have it all figured out. Say that to yourself sometimes. I don't have it figured out. I need somebody smarter, wiser, more knowledgeable than myself to help me make it in life. Has any of you have ever at one point asked advice about anything? Raise your hand. Wow. That's not unusual to have the whole room raise their hand because it's the truth. Now we have to be careful where we get the counsel from and who is giving us counsel. A lot of our friends can give us counsel. There's another story in Scripture that we find a king destroyed a kingdom because they asked counsel from the wrong set of people, all right? So let's be be mindful where we get the counsel, but we know we need counsel because we don't have it all together. By the way, it goes into the idea of the church being unified. That's why we need church. Because the church people, a lot of times, would be what God would use to give us wise counsel. I'm glad I have some dear men that are way older than me and have done things. (laughs) Man, was that insulting? I was just being honest. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. We're in America now. There was once young men. 
that can understand me being young. I've raised children, and their children are adults now. They're in their grandparents' stage. And it would be wise for me to go to them and ask them, how did you do it? Right? And if it lines up from the scripture, I would say, let me look at that and see if that's what God says. Right? And then, wow, they were able to do it. Maybe God's going to help me help me do it myself. So ask godly advice. There's people in the room that will help you. The older people, we live in this culture. And so we understand the new culture. I know we try to bring back the old culture. They're not coming back. But we have to live the Bible way in this culture. Do we understand that? There's a lot of traditions that we like to do. Things that we like to say. Things that made sense to us when we were young. Those days are not today. How do I know that? Because I'm young enough to affiliate and be with the young people. It's a different world. It's not a good world. It's still the world we have to live in. So you have to give us a chance. All right? We have to live in this world. And we have to know what the Bible says as we face challenges that maybe your generation did not face. At such strong and as such in a big wave coming at us. Uh, I appreciate the olden days. I like to hear stories of what it used to be. We had work ethic. And we want some of that to be here now. But I still have to live in this day. And I still have to minister to the people of this day. Just like David had to serve God in his generation, I need to serve God in my generation. And I have to learn how to serve them. And I have to go against some of the things that culture says. And so, don't be so harsh on the young people to let them feel this is what it used to be, so you should live like it. Maybe understand a little bit of how they're living today. Somebody says this. A lot of times, people will care for what you're saying if they, feel, if they first feel that you care for them. A lot of times, we come across like we know everything, and I'm glad you do. But show some care so that we can be, oh, they care. I want to listen to what they have to say, you know. Uh, and you'll see that in this story, believe it or not. You'll see that principle in the story when you have uh, Abigail approach David before she gave her advice. She showed something that a lot of us sometimes miss. And we feel like we know a lot of things. That's great. That's a start. Know the truth of the word of God. Have some understanding. Have wisdom. Live it in your life. But I'm finding out just because I'm living the Bible way, it doesn't mean it's attractive to everybody around me. But I have to be caring. I have to approach them gently. I have to approach them with patience. I have to approach them with grace. I have to be meek. I have to do all of those things before I can influence anyone that would want anything to do with me. I have to be approachable. Jesus was approachable. And as a Christian, if you know all those things, may I ask this to you, learn to be approachable. That somebody can come to you and actually ask of you the things you know, and you probably can help them. Correct? Are we making sense? Proverbs 13 and verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The Bible also says there is both safety and stability and multitude of counselors. All right? This will help you if your nerves 
is involved in a decision, stop. Find somebody that is not emotionally attached to the decision and ask them for godly advice. They will help you. At times when I was excited about a young lady, in fact, I didn't want to ask anybody because I was so vested already. I wanted her. Nobody's going to tell me otherwise. And so that put a hesitation for me to ask people that were not involved in the situation because my, my self will say, well, they don't understand my love. And so I wouldn't ask because they don't understand my heart. How could they feel my heart? I really love this person already. Well, maybe before you fall in love, go find some godly people and ask them, how did you end up marrying that wonderful wife of yours? How did you guys do it? And you know what? I can't tell you to do it the way we did it because we're individuals. And this couple that we have together, this relationship is unique. It's not going to be the same. You're not going to meet at camp necessarily. You're not going to do the things we did to get to the, where we are today. But there is so much principle in scripture you can still apply. And you will have to pick it out of the story that we say. Okay? And get those Bible principles. And you get them from godly advice. Look at this. Verse 14 of Proverbs 11. We're in Proverbs 13, 20, right? Proverbs 11, verse 14. It's in your notes. It says, where no counsel is... The people fall. But in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Again, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 15 and verse 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in a multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 26 and verse number 6, you find the word established in some of these verses, you find the word safety. And so in Proverbs 24 and verse number 6, you'll find... Those words, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. I've learned to follow that principle of making major decisions in my life by seeking godly counsels. And my eyes say in a short way, in a testimony, life is short. It's not done yet. It's probably just begun. It's almost in the middle, I guess. But I have had good success as a testimony to you. Not an arrogance. Not saying to you that I'm better than anybody else. I am humbled to know that the Bible can be applied to somebody like me. And I can use what the Bible says and find it is true. If you find counselors, ask them for help before you make a major decision. If it's found in scripture, you will have success. I feel like I married right. I feel like I have children right. I feel like I'm raising them right. When I say feel... Because I want to I relate to you. I don't have it all together. But I feel as, I, as I, I submit myself what the Bible says, I feel like I have success. That's where I find success in the scripture. Just simply as I skim through the Bible, as I read through it, as I see certain principles of parenting, I come looking at it and say, how did they do it? Uh, how did Abraham do it? How did Isaac do it? How did Jacob do it? Well, I know I don't should favor any of them. Because of that story of that patriarch, I had a problem with favoritism and favoring their kids. I should not do that. So guess what? I'll apply that. By counsel from the word of God, I will not favor any of my child. I will love them differently because they're uniquely their own. I was just saying to somebody, I would not even imagine having no Moriah in our life. Now, she's the last one. We could have been very satisfied with Philip. And knowing Philip, I don't know why we did another one. <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> at any rate, when you were before Moriah was even in the picture, you're looking at Philip, we were happy. But then Moriah showed up. And now Moriah is starting to show her personality. She's a unique individual. And she knows how to make daddy really happy with her. And now I can't go back. I can't go back and say I don't need Moriah. Right? So in, in life, my friends, uh, we need to be careful in the things that we, we do as a parent. And so you find that in the scripture. All right? You find in the scripture. Uh, look at first point in your notes. We'll go jumping right up into that. We find that the story goes. Let's read, uh, uh, before we give you the first point there, we'll read verse 1 to 3 of First Samuel 25. We'll read the verse 1 to 3. Samuel, First Samuel 25, verses 1 to 3. And Samuel died, and all Israel were gathered together and lamented him. That's a major blow into the, to the history here of Israel. Samuel was really used by the Lord. And his house at Ramah, he was buried. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in, were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep. And had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. What a character uh, to have. A woman of good understanding. We can learn from her in a little bit here. Every man and woman can learn to be of good understanding. And of a beautiful countenance. I can't do that. But we can learn to be of good understanding. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. What's the word churlish mean? It means harsh. Okay? Harsh. He was harsh. And he was of the house of Caleb. All right? Now, uh, point number one on your notes there, Nabal's provocation. P-R-O-V-O-C-A. T-I-O-N, provocation, P-R-O-V-O-C-A-T-I-O-N. Enables a perfect specimen of people who are simply unfriendly. He was unfriendly. He was unkind to the point of nastiness. You know people like that don't say anything. And prone to ill treatment of all those around them. All right? For no reason other than his own contrariness, Nabal chose to mistreat David and his men. Okay, It has been said that life is not fair and we need to just get over it. And that's true to some extent. However, the Bible promises a blessing to those who are treated poorly for the sake of the Lord. And there's a blessing when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. God will give us a blessing with that. But the story goes here. I'm just going to give it to you in, in chapter 25. Nabal was nasty. All David wanted was for some sustenance, to give them some food. And Nabal was a very wealthy man that could easily have helped them. And now David and his mighty men, remember the story is that he's running away from Saul, and this is a place that they were hiding from, and they found Nabal. And here we find that Nabal had the money, more 
more than he, he, he could possibly imagine. And just to feed them for that day would not be a hard thing to do. But Nabal says, no, ain't doing that. And the funny thing is in the chapter, Nabal throws a big shebang at the end. He has a big, huge party at the end. And in fact, Abigail had to go to Nabal while he was in his drunken stupor and say, hey, did you not know what you did today? How you offended the next king, David? And so it wasn't beyond Nabal, and it wasn't so much of an inconvenience because David would have been there already at the property and just a little bit of a help. The Bible talks about uh, when a neighbor comes to you and knocks on the door in the middle of the night and it has, you have bread, give them bread in the New Testament. It's a good neighborly thing to do. And that's what David was asking. And in fact, David did uh, Nabal a favor in some of his fields where the men protected the sheep so that no thief or other misfortune could happen to the field and lose those sheep as they were shearing. They were protected, and some of the servants of Nabal in the chapter talked to Nabal and said, yes, they did that. They protected us for no pay. It was just a gesture they were doing to protect us. And you would have thought, as a kind man, and you had the money, you had the resources, you would feed them for simply returning the favor of kindness. But here we find that Nabal was a churlish man. What a nice name to say. Say that now. Use that. It's a Bible word. You're being churlish today, honey. Being harsh. My wife's going to use that on me now. But Matthew 5, 11 to 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. This is the promise if you're persecuted or treated wrong as a Christian. For Jesus' sake and the Lord's work. It says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. And there's a key importance in there. Rejoice, verse 12. And be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now we see Nabal's provocation here, letter A in your notes. We see his attitude was churlish. All right? His attitude. A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E. His attitude was churlish. While God's word says that we are to be kind to others, we realize people will not always be kind to us. Nabal's attitude was churlish, rude, mean-spirited, and sorely or harsh. While we have all met people like this, we never get to the place where we enjoy encountering them. Unless you do, I'm glad for you. But we must remember that carnal people will have predominantly carnal attitudes. And so the Bible warns us as a Christian not to be carnal. So that gives us intel already that a Christian can act like Nabal. Because a Christian can be a carnal Christian. I don't have to give you the New Testament chapter about all of the carnality that sometimes are in the church in 1 Corinthians. And so as a Christian, be mindful that you are not carnal. You don't have the same attitude as Nabal. That you're harsh. That you're mean-spirited. All right? We don't have to be mean-spirited. The Bible tells us we need to be kind, all right? Ephesians 4 and verse number 32. We often deal with difficult people. We cannot ultimately control how other people act. Their attitudes may be churlish, just like Nabal's. However, we can control the way we react. And by the way, you're responsible to react right, no matter what they do. 
It's not always easy, I tell you that, but it is what God says. You react properly. They don't do the right thing to you. They act harsh to you. They act mean to you. Your job is not to gossip about them. Your job is not to destroy their reputation and find companies in the church to surround yourself. Yeah, we all think the same. That guy's a jerk. Now we're a family. No, that's not what God says. That's not what God says to do. That's not what God says to do. You don't divide. But what you do is you pray. You get God involved in the situation. God will take care of his own. If anybody is saved, the Bible warns us of chastisement. God will deal with his own. I love Abigail. She's a bright young individual and has great ambition and is going to leave me. I'm going to walk out of this place and never see her again. She's going to be adventurous. I can see it already. She's got plans. She's got plans. She's got it all written down. I'm like, girl, slow that down, slow it down. And so because of that tenacity, she feels in her that she can tell the boys exactly what they must do. And it happens every day. That's not how you do your math. This is what I was taught. You need to do it this way. Girl, leave them alone. Do your own math. You're struggling. Do your own math. But she's got that in her. And she would be on her own, gone. And a lot of times we fall like that as a Christian. We want to tell them off. We want to tell them what they're doing wrong. Because partly it's affecting us. It's bothering us. So we're going to tell them. And I always tell my daughter, go to the authority. Let them deal with it. You got, she's got, they got, the boy's got a mama. The boy's got a dada. They'll deal with it. Christian, that brother that's annoying the fire out of you, that sister is messing your day, go to the daddy. Go ask daddy to take care of it. He'll do better than you. Just go ask him, and he will take care of it. And so we find here... We have to be careful of having an attitude that's harsh. Now, letter B, we find that not only does he have an attitude that is churlish, his actions were contemptuous. I can't believe I'm, I'm pronouncing these words. Uh, his actions, A-C-T-I-O-N-S. I think I spelled that. A-C-T-I-O-N-S were contemptuous. Okay, you see that in verse 10 to 11 of the chapter here. Let me read that to you. And Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David? You can just see that attitude. Just, I am the man. I have it made. Man, I'm going to have a party tonight. And he goes, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? Now, if he could say the father's name, he probably knew who David was. Because Jesse was no one. Jesse was nobody. Jesse was a was a shepherd somewhere. Unless they were in competition when there was time to sell wool. I don't know. that Maybe they saw each other. Man, that little Jesse's bothering me again. I don't know. I don't know that. But I feel like David is known at this point. All right? And there be many servants now a days that break away every man from his master. You see the insult he's given there? Because he's now saying that David rebelled against his master Saul. That's what he was referring to in that, in that statement. What an attitude. What a friendly guy. What a nice guy. He's my best friend. 
You find that in there in verse 11. Look what it says. Shall I then make my bread and my water and my flesh that I had killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? <clears throat> Do you have an attitude like that when God presents you an opportunity to be a blessing to someone? You have an attitude like that. Man, I had to fight this in the Philippines because I was wealthy according to them in the Philippines, and I was. I ate better than most people. I live in a, a nicer place than most people. And so if somebody comes to my house and knocks on the door and they say, Pastor, I need something, man, it would be hard for me not to give them anything. It would be so hard, right? Knowing that as a little boy, I live like them, with mainly eating once a times a day. So it was hard. It was hard, but, man, man how is our response to those less fortunate people? To those, the Bible says in the, in the book of First Corinthians that there are uncomely parts as a church. How we treat them. Do you find yourself talking to the people that nobody talks to in the church? Man, it's a good habit to go over there and say hello. Good morning. How was your day? My name is so-and-so. Do you need anything? Visit them at their home. The less fortunate ones. Why? I don't know. Because God wants us to love those people too. Proverbs 3 and verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Further, Nabal expresses utter contempt for David. Who is David? Right? He's just the slayer of Goliath. I'm sure people got a wind of that there was a young man that killed Goliath. Right? 1 Samuel 18, 17. 7. And then here's the story that's famous. It's been heralded in their, in their culture at this time. Saul had slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. You see that the, the fame of David probably has spread so far that even Nabal knew his father's name. So I think Nabal knew who David was. For him to say the things he said here, the, the sarcasm that we're not going to take care of anybody that leaves his masters, this rebel, you know, that's what they, that's Nabal. So I, I'm sure... Uh, Nabal knew what was going on. Now, uh, I don't want to spend uh, time with this, with, uh, with Nabal. But here's a quote I'm going to give you by a man named called Royard. R-O-Y-A-R-D. He said this. The return, to return good for evil is human. To return evil for evil is brutal. To return evil for good is diabolical. Okay, and that's what Nabal did. David showed him a favor protecting his sheep, but he returned him evil. No. In fact, you're a rebel. Get out of my life. Don't have time for you. But here's what the end of that phrase. But to return good for evil is divine. And so what are you doing? What is your attitude and what is your action to those people that come to you for help? How's your attitude to them? A gift is not a reward. And so when you give a gift, has no bearing on who that person is and what they've done and who they are. At least that's what God did when he gave me eternal life. He did not sit me down and say, all right, now the only reason you can get this because you, you were this. Okay, no, oh, there's a qualification. Nope, that's not going to work. Nope, nope. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I did as a 12-year-old boy. 
I simply believe what God said, and I asked him to save me. And you know what? He saved me that moment. You know what I heard of other people? They saved them also, same way, if you just do what God says. God, because he gave it as a gift, he was not asking what family I belonged to, if I was royalty, if my family had money. Nothing even questioned about my ethnicity, where I'm from, what gender I was. Because he said male and female are equal to him. Anybody can get saved at any time if they ask Jesus to save them. At any age. What a blessing to know that. And God's added to us that was very needy. No one can save anyone. And no one can save themselves. The very need we have today, the most important thing we need to have is ask Jesus to save us if we haven't done that already. If we're trying to get to heaven on our own by our good works, if we're trying to be kind, we're trying to outdo our bad with our good, let me say that's all futile because you'll fail. But there's one thing the Bible says, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And all he's asking is, do you believe that? Do you believe me enough to trust me? And if you say, yes, I do, and God says, I'll give it to you. You have eternal life. And in Ephesians, he'll say, I'll seal you even. I'll put a deposit down. I'll put the Holy Ghost down. So that when I call you in the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, you will not miss it. Because the Holy Ghost will be raptured out and you'll go with him. And together we'll be with him in the air. What a blessing to know that you have salvation in Jesus Christ. If you don't know that today, the Bible tells us that and the church here teaches that. If you have questions about your salvation, don't, don't feel free. Uh, feel free, I should say. Feel free to come and ask one of us. Alright? We'll show you what the Bible says. Jesus is the way. And may we not have the attitude of Nabal. We have the attitude of Jesus, and Jesus gave freely. Gave freely. Now, he will reward you according to the works you've done for him. That's a different story, because he's a just God. All right? But at the time, he's giving you free. Why? Because Jesus died for you. That's the only reason why you get that free, because Jesus died for you. He did the, what you couldn't do. He died for all mankind. Number two, we see Abigail's plea. We get, we get, we get Abigail's plea. Uh, P-L-E-A, the plea uh, that Abigail made. Uh, letter A, there you find she was responsive. R-E-S-P-O-N-S-I-V-E. To be responsive means you're sensitive, you're watchful, and you're paying attention. May I suggest as a Christian, as we walk through the doors here, as we are part of this local assembly at Faith Bible Baptist Church, Eden, New York, 8688 South Main Street, 14057, 716-992-2091. This place, and as you see people here, be sensitive to the need of your brother and the need of your sister. We're not going to feel everybody, and people are good at hiding some things that they don't want everybody to know. And that's a good thing, by the way. We have some privacy. Praise the Lord for that. But you should be so sensitive and so, so responsive that when they come to you with something like this, they'll say, they'll say something like this. This is confidential. I've not said this to anybody else, but I'm going to say it to you. Man, you have better. You have better look at that as a treasure, that somebody is just giving you a treasure. And you better take that and say, I will with the utmost uh, ability that I have through the grace of God. I will listen to it. 
And if you, I can do anything, I will help you. And I will pray for you. You can come to me. Christians should be approachable. Christians should be responsive people. If, if somebody walks in the door and they flap right there, we, all of us should stop what we're doing and go right over there and help that person. What's going on? Now, we probably shouldn't do that. We should all back up and let somebody that knows what they're doing. Maybe Brianna. Please help us out, right? But we should be responsive. The first thing we see, Abigail, is that she hurried to get involved. Whoo! That's missing in Christianity. We have so much apathetic attitude about anything. We don't get moved anymore. What are you passionate about? What gets you riled up inside? Bills are gone. I'm, when I watched the stinking game today, I nothing in it. Nothing. I'm going to enjoy it, actually, because my, my spirit is going to be calm. I'm going to be drinking coffee. I'll finally fall asleep, ready to get up and go to church. So I use that as an illustration because humanly we have that right here. But what is it that passion that gives you passion about Jesus? But, oh, it's my Sunday school class. That's a good thing to be passionate about. Oh, my, uh, my ushering. I love ushering. I love opening the door for people. I love giving them the God. I pray about this. I really seek God on how to be friendly in the morning, how to, how to be awake, how to be alert. I, if I see a new person, I, I make sure I bring him to another person that may be helping them, and I'll show them the bathroom. Man, I need some enthusiasm in ushering. Right? What are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you moving? Coffee. Well, at least be passionate about coffee. I know how to give you for your birthday. I'll give you Tim Horns, right? Can't afford those higher ones up. But maybe I'll get you a spot mug. You can go over there yourself, but I'll get you the mug, right? I don't know. What gets you up? We need to have that in us so that we can be responsive, so that when you see somebody and we'll, we're alive. You want to be a place where people are alive? They love life. They're enjoying it. They're not... They're not, what's up? Good. What are you going to do? Oh, same. We're people, all right? I don't, I don't want to be emotional about everything, but at the same time, we need to have some life about us, right? We need to be responsive. And she ran. She saw an emergency and ran to meet it. The Bible says in verse 18, 23, that she hasted. She had a real sense of urgency. There was something important about what she was going to do right here. Guys, uh, any ministry you have in the church is important. You may say that, whether you feel like it or not. I'm just going to give a bug to your ear. Whether you feel like getting up and doing that Sunday school class, whether you feel like getting up and doing that junior church, whether you feel like doing that prayer time, whatever it is that you do in the church, may I just say to you, you're doing something eternal that's affecting souls of mankind, either getting saved or getting growth in their life. The same is effectual. The Bible talks about not only do we see them saved, but we also see them grow, discipled, and trained. And then we multiply ourselves and see them go out and get some of their people. And that's success when people grow in Christ in the church house. And as you teach your class and as you rub soldiers with these people because you are in the ministering part of that ministry, be excited about it and say, man, I'm doing something for God. I'm doing something with God, and I'm doing something for God. He counted me faithful that he put me in this ministry. I'm going to put my heart into it. I'm going to be in it. I'm going to have some urgency about it. I'm going to have some importance about it. I will pray about it. I will, 
I will, I will get myself ready and pardon my word as a human being. I will psych myself up to get this done. I want to get it done. I want to be excited about this. I want people to know I'm all about this. If somebody gets saved, man, I'm gonna, sometimes I shout and go crazy. I'm all over that. We should be. I, I have to be careful. Don't want to be freaks out there. Uh, but let people know what you're about. If you're about Jesus, they need to see that. They need to hear that out of your mouth. They need, I'm not even in my lesson. We're, we're not going to finish this. But, uh, but uh, get them to know you're passionate about Jesus Christ. Man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a buzz. I'm not trying to make fun of Pastor Seth. But that man talks about one thing. You know what? I see it in his life. Ask him. If you don't know what that one thing is, go ask him. Some of you are going to say donations. <laughs> there's men here today because there's another man that's passionate about it. I don't want to glorify Pastor Seth. I don't want to make him feel good about himself. God does that for him. God does that for him. You'll have rejoicing in yourself alone and not in another person. But I want to band together with him. I want to band together with my pastor that, that studies the word. My, when my pastor teaches, guys, he, he's got verses that he has studied that I don't even have a clue what they mean. But he, he, he puts it in there. And that man studies. That man prays. That man writes letters. That man texts. I know. Because when I call people, they say, well, yeah, pastor texted me. Pastor wrote me a letter. I want to get behind those men and say, let me rally together with you as my brother. And let's see what I can give to the picture here. I don't want to compete because you're doing that fine. I'm just going to join with you. I'm just going to join with you. Can I just join with you? I don't want to mess anything up you're doing already because it's great. Let me just join with you. And guess what? Things get done. Things happen. Are you have that spirit here, Abigail? Man, I love this. I don't have time. I have to. Uh, Brother Nelligan, you, you have to do Abigail's plea, whatever you want to do, in three months, if you remember, because I'm going to go back to my lesson next week. Oh, it's good to be in church. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that we be responsive. We have some sense of urgency. Pray that we would not be churlish people. That we would be not harsh. That we would not come across, Lord, uh, mean. Lord, I pray that that will not be misunderstood, Lord, when we come across stern. Lord, uh, we have to be people that fight for the truth. And sometimes, Lord, the world is so wicked, we have to stand up and say harsh things. But I pray that that's not misunderstood, Lord, that our attitude is harsh to people. No, we're just standing for what's true. Sometimes in preaching, Lord, you know we say things strongly. That's because we're passionate about that truth, and we believe it, and we want people to know it. And Lord, I pray that it's not misunderstood in the fact that we don't care for people. In fact, we do. That's why we talk about hell, because we care about people. Hell is a brutal place, and it's a harsh place. It's a ruthless place. It's a place that no one wants to go. And that's why we preach about it, because you preached about it a lot. And Lord, I pray, help us to not have this mean-spirited, like Nabal. Help us to be like an Abigail. Be responsive. Be awake. Be alert. Be, be sympathetic, empathetic to people. Help us know when people are hurting. Help us rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Help us to be aware of our surroundings, especially the people you gave us, our loved ones here in the church. 
our church family and our family ourselves. Lord, bless us, we ask. Help us in the next service. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.